brought to you by Charity Mobile, the phone company that sends 5% of your monthly plan price to your favorite charity. No contracts, nationwide coverage, risk-free guarantee. Learn more at CharityMobile.com. While it is the beginning of the Lenten season, one thing we should remember that Lent is good for is doing acts of penance and praying for peace. The sermon I have for you today, it's a homily from Pope Pius XII, and it comes from 1940, late 1940, actually, during the observation of Christ the King, although this was given in November of that year, which was later in the year at the time, typically, than the Feast of Christ the King. But still, he invokes Christ the King here in late 1940 in Italy, because Europe was at war at the time. And in our time, we may be soon facing the same thing if things don't change, because we are governed by people who completely have lost sight of the consequences of what it is they really are pushing for. So let us pray for peace during this season of Lent. With that, I bring you Pope Pius XII's Eucharistic celebration to invoke peace in the world, never before translated into English, by the way. To the faithful gathered in the Vatican Basilica during the celebration of Mass. Today's gospel presents to us, beloved children, much of the speech made by our Lord Jesus Christ in answering the apostles' questions, when the destruction of the magnificent temple in Jerusalem would take place, so that no stone would remain upon stone. What would be the sign of his second coming and the end of the world? Christ spoke to his apostles, seated at the evangelist Matthew narrates on Mount Olivet, gazing at Jerusalem in the bulk of the temple, a mournful and divinely austere scene in which the word of God made flesh, Viator and contemplator of the eternal ages, rose and sublimated prophet above prophets. He, the creator of the universe and man, he, the arbiter of the past and the future, hanging from his hand, was seated at the center of the ages, heralding the ruin of the old temple and the dispersion of the children of Israel, as he had before promised the building over Peter of the new temple of his indestructible church herald of his second coming, when the sign of the Son of Man shall appear in the heavens, and then shall all the nations of the earth mourn, and they shall see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with great power and majesty. And he will send his angels with sound trumpets, and they will gather his chosen from the four winds, from one end of the heavens to the other. Heaven and earth will pass away. It will pass this earth which treads our foot, cleaves and wets our hand with sweat, Pierce our eyes, this earth whose bowels are iron pierces and torments, digging the sepulchres of the ex extinct forests, of the covial monsters of unknown shores, of the vapors of extinct volcanoes, and the veins of metals and liquid flames, which disturb man's dreams and shake his peace. It will pass this old globe of ours, which no longer seems to suffice for men, and to satiate the quivering of their conflicting aspirations, for which a struggle of such gigantic proportions burns in our days that it surpasses and almost obscures the greatest events and upheavals of world history. The earth shall pass away, and we shall all have to appear before the tribunal of Christ, that each may receive its merits or its punishments, according as he shall have done good or evil. But the words of Christ shall not pass away, which foretells and announces, indeed, time to the apostles, the history of his church and the world, and the sad events which they shall meet without throughout the ages. And there in that same Olivet Discourse, in view of Jerusalem, he, our blessed Lord, admonishes them to watch that no one seduces them. For, he said to them, you will hear of wars and the noise of wars. Take care not to be troubled, since these things must happen, but it is not yet the end.
No, the consummation of the ages has not yet come. Christ, if he ascended into heaven, is always with us every day, even in the midst of wars and the noise of wars. We should not be troubled by it, as the apostles were not troubled by it in the preaching of the gospel. But if perturbation does not break down our spirit, we feel, however, in the depths of our soul, that the present hour is a phase of the grave history of humanity foretold by Christ. And you, beloved children, are not ignorant of how much this new and most fierce war, which weighs upon Europe and the world, necessarily weighs upon our heart as well, because of that paternal affection, deriving from the office imposed upon us by God toward all peoples. For you well know that of affection and love is the child of sorrow. Is not the sorrowful passion of Christ the fruit of his love for us? And in his triumphal entry into Jerusalem, which he so loved, approaching the city and gazing upon it, did not the divine Redeemer weep over it? And he said, O if thou hadst known also, and on this very day, what matters to thy peace. This ineffable lament of the Savior before Jerusalem could not fail to descend in the heart of his humble vicar at the contemplation of Europe and the world in immense conflict. We have omitted nothing for the sake of peace among the nations. Conscious as we are that we are servants and ministers of an exalted, peaceable king, pacifying not with the blood of battles, but by the blood of his cross, and the things of the earth and the things of heaven. We have followed the cry and impulse of our heart. That concord, long disturbed and now miserably broken, might be restored among the nations, with a more equitable and unanimous order, based on that justice which quiets passions, quenches hatreds, extinguishes the ferments of grudges and strife, an order which tends to attribute to all peoples in tranquility, liberty, and security, the share to each of them in this earth due of the sources of prosperity and power, to make possible for them the fulfillment of the Creator's words, Crescite et multiplicimini et delepete terama. Since the outbreak of the conflict, our thought and our soul have never ceased from ensuring that divine comforts and human aid were, as far as was possible for us, imparted to those to whom the clash of arms has caused loss and pain. Common Father of trusting in Christ, shepherd of the immense fold of Christ, are our children, are our sheep, the near and the far, the faithful and the lost or stray. To all we are indebted for love, comfort, help, compassion, to the weak and the powerful, the wretched and the unhappy, the wise and the ignorant. This valley of tears has at times prolific floods of new tears to wipe away on the faces of children, mothers, men, and old men, who feel a hard abandonment of life and spirit, especially in this agitated hour, when the formidable struggle, not waning, more bitterly endures and advances. But if the din of war seems to overcome and cover our voice from the earth, we lift our gaze to heaven, to the Father of mercies, and to the God of all consolation, who all contemplates down here, all governs and commands to the ocean's flood. You shall come hither and pass no further. Here you shall break your boiling fury. To him under whose divine hand in the universal order of events and things, the free action of man stirs without being able to escape his providential and ineluctable counsel. To him we raise the cry of our heart and of our sorrow, invoking better times to mankind, better dawns and better sunsets to our days. No, our God is not like the simulacra of the nations, who have ears and do not hear, who have hands and do not give thanks, have breasts and do not love. Our God is love, his charity is itself, and we have known and believed the charity that God has for us. This is the mystery of God's heart, the great mystery of Christianity. God, with that infinite and loving mercy which is poured out on all his creatures, will hear us. 
at the time and in the manner from his blessed providence disposed. If at the feet of his throne unanimous, confident, and ardent prayer rises, corroborated by this humiliation of penance, for it belongs to the supreme eminence of divine goodness and charity, not only to distribute being and well-being to all, but still to fulfill in his liberality the pious desires that are expressed through prayer. Has not the incarnate Son of God called us his friends and his, his disciples? And is it not the merit of friendship that he who loves wants the craving of the beloved to be fulfilled? Therefore, on the feast of Christ the King, under the protection of the glorious Virgin of the Rosary, we have called all the children of the Church to raise public prayers with us on this day, so that there may result one immense chorus of supplicants, responding to our voice, varied in heaven, in language, in custom, in manner, in right, but fervent in one and the same faith, in one and the same hope, in one and the same love, who turn with us their gaze beyond the stars into the throne of the Most High, make humble invocations of grace and mercy. Behold, beloved children, this altar, this cross that surmounts it, this bread and this chalice, this tomb on which we reverence set our foot, fundamental stone of the church, famous and venerated by the faith of the nations. Behold this glorious center of all the altars of the universe, this is the bloodless Golgotha of divine mercy and justice, on which the majesty of God is appeased and propitiated. Here amidst the wings of the heavenly hosts, under the gaze of the prophets, evangelists, apostles, and saints, is the propitiatory of the new and eternal testament, where Christ makes himself host to the Father, and renews with the portent of portents his Golgothan sacrifice in his body and blood, shed for the remission of sins, not only for ours, but also for those of the whole world. Let all believers in him therefore gather round us, and united in spirit with us, who here under this admirable vault competing with heaven, offer to God the divine sacrifice of propitiation. Let the sacred ministers in every place on earth sacrifice and offer to the Eternal Father the same clean oblation of his beloved Son, of Christ, who on the altar of the cross once offered himself in a bloody manner, and in a bloodless form, divided by his immense and ineffable love, and an unnumbered number of times he has immolated himself and is immolating himself on our altars. Yea, O our Father who art in heaven, O God our protector, turn your eyes to Christ your Son. Behold the vermilion marks of his wounds, to which his love for us and obedience to you led him, by which he wished to make himself in every tribulation our advocate and propitiator. O Jesus, our Savior, speak to your Father and our Father for us. Beseech him for us, for your church, for all men, the conquest of your blood. O peaceful King, King, Prince of Peace, you who have the keys of life and death, bestow the peace of everlasting requiem on the souls of all the faithful, for the whirlwind of war swept into death, and known and unknown, buried beneath the ruins or of destroyed cities and villages, across the blood-stained plains, up the torn hills and the abysses of the valleys, from the whirlpools of the sea. May your purifying blood descend upon their sorrows, to whiten their mantles and make them worthy and shining in your beatifying sight. You, loving comforter of the unhappy, who wept at the tears of disconsolate Martha and Mary for her dead brother, grant the peace of comfort, resignation, and help to the wretched. From the calamities of war, prostrate in tribulation and sorrow, to the exiles, to those fleeing their homeland, the unknown ramblers, the prisoners, the wounded, trusting in you. Dry the tears of so many wives, of so many mothers, of so many orphans, of so many families, of so many derelicts. Hidden tears falling over the bread of sorrow, after long fasts and cold hobbles, bread divided among the children many times, led to your altars in the humble little church to pray for their father or older brother. 
perhaps gone, perhaps languishing, perhaps lost. Console all with heavenly gifts and with those reliefs and succors of fruitful charity, which you know how to inspire in kind souls, who in the afflicted and unfortunate recognize their brothers and love your images. Grant to the combatants by heroism and the performance of their duties, even to the supreme sacrifice for the defense of their homeland, that noble sense of humanity which in every event does not do to others what it would not wish to be done to itself or to its own people. O Lord, may the charity of your divine spirit reign and triumph over the world, and may the peace of concord and justice return among peoples and nations. May our vows be accepted and acceptable to your meek and humble heart, and may the number and devotion of the holy sacrifices which prone the whole church, your bride, for yourself priest and victim forever, offer to your divine Father, make you favorable to us. Speak you to the hearts of men. You have words which penetrate and shake the heart, which enlighten the mind, which soothe wrath, extinguish hatred and vengeance. Speak that word which quells storms, which heals the sick, which is light to the blind and hearing to the deaf, which is life to the dead. Peace among men, which you desire, is dead. Resurrected, O divine winner of death, and through you let the earth and the sea be quieted at last. Let the whirlwinds cease in the heavens, which define the rays of the sun or concealed among the darkness of night. Cast terror, fires, destruction, and slaughter upon helpless people. Let justice with Christian charity even put out either side the shaking of the scales, so that every injustice repaired, the empire of law restored, all discord and rancor of souls extinguished. A true and orderly and lasting peace may arise and be revived in a serene vision of new and unanimous prosperity that will unite in the path of the centuries and in the consent of the highest good, all the peoples of the human family under your gaze. Amen. Pope Pius XII's World War II address, his homily, in November 1940, invoking Christ the King. I hope you found this helpful, and I hope that you will add to your Lenten intentions prayers for peace. Because things don't look like they're going to be peaceful for that much longer in the places that still have peace. Let me know what you thought of this in the comments, please. Like and subscribe if you haven't. It does help. As does sharing this on social media. That helps a lot, too. As always, pray for the church. I'm Anthony Stein. Ave Maria.